This speech is my recital. I think it's very vital to rock around. That's right. On top. It's tricky. It's the tight. Here we go. It's tricky to rock around, to rock around. That's right. On time. It's tricky. It's tricky. 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 Welcome back into the Husker Half Hour. It's been a long nine months without us, I know. But Husker football is back. There were some doubtful months in there. Kevin Warren really wanted to screw us over. Mm-hmm. But Husker football is back. Ohio State is on Saturday. Nebraska 21.5 point underdogs. Let's preview it. How's the offense going to look? How's the defense going to look? Ben, I'm excited. Let's get into it. Let's do this thing. It's tricky. Hey, Elijah. Welcome back to the Husker Half Hour. It's been a long time, huh? Nine months, I think. Yeah, it's kind of crazy that you and I haven't seen each other for nine months either. Yeah, I mean, I I could have had a kid, and you wouldn't even known. That's that's what happens in nine months, huh? I could, I could have hidden an entire pregnancy it from just, you. I haven't, it, it's good to see you, man. That's what I'm trying to say. Uh, it's also been a while since we've seen our live studio audience. What's up, studio audience? Oh, never gets old. Never gets old. Uh, and this season around, Elijah, we're recording from a new location. We're at the B Street Studios. Uh, pretty cool. Very official. Yeah, we're pretty moving on cool. up in the world. So anyway, Elijah, the 2020 season is here. Did you ever think we'd make it? Um, for like five, six months, I was like, hey, how could they cancel football season? Like, that's that's what they make all their money on. How could they do that? And then Kevin Warren one day was like, bet. <laughs> We're gonna do it. Yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna cancel it. And yeah, there was just a month of deep, dark hopelessness. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, as if twenty twenty couldn't get worse. Um, I don't know. Did you ever expect it to come back? Honestly, was there a point where you like the whole time? Was there a little glimmer of hope underneath? You're like, there's still a chance, or did you kind of just give up on the whole thing? Well, I always saw Sir Yacht's tweets. Uh, the idiot that went to Ohio State, who always claimed to be in the know, but mm-hmm. like, oh. Big Ten's coming back now. Uh, Big Ten's coming back on this day. I know I was wrong here, but the, the dude, I think, had a, a pretty good source uh-huh. that was like, probably, I mean, considering he went to Ohio State, I assume it was someone within the Ohio State Athletic Department. Sure. But I think he was feeding Sir Yacht news stories just to throw them out there. He's like, oh, you've gotten big off this? Let's just throw out my narrative here. Uh-huh. And let, let's throw that out because I can't come out in a press conference and say these things. Sure. So, so you kind of had I think you that, had rumblings the whole time that maybe deep down inside the people within the Big Ten or within the athletic departments of Big Ten universities knew that there was a chance. I think just as we got closer to football season and mm-hmm. the SEC was playing and the Big sure. Twelve was playing, I, right. I think the Big Ten went, "Oh, we kind of look like idiots here." And right? They were. They, yeah. they were idiots. Hmm. Um, but then you also see how. I mean, Nick Saban tested positive for COVID last week. Right. He had the issue with the whole Florida team traveling to Texas A and M, and they. A couple guys in their team didn't want to admit that they were feeling some COVID symptoms because obviously yeah. you want to you want to go play in a football game, um, and they were like, "Oh, we thought it was allergies. We thought we just had general allergy symptoms." And they went and they played a football game with COVID. Uh, so I think the Big Ten is definitely looking smarter now as time goes on because they made sure that they could get the daily testing. They could make sure that they sure. could get everyone safe. They can test on the morning of a game and make sure nobody has COVID before you play the game. Yeah. Um, which also concerns me a little bit whenever you see how many people in the sports world are getting COVID. Um, just looking at, you know, if one player in the Husker football team tests positive, who is a complete bench warmer and is not gonna have a role in the team. If he tests positive, then you got to cancel the game. 
Right. Because there's a chance that there's other guys in the team that he has now spread it to. Sure. So that is something that concerns me just with how big Nebraska's roster is. But yeah, I do think the Big Ten has done well in ensuring the safety of the student-athletes and making sure we can get as close to a normal season as we can. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm curious what the narrative will be looking back at the season six months from now. I think it's I think it's jumping to extremes to say the Big Ten were idiots off the bat, uh, off the bat, and then to say that they're like suddenly smart now. If anything, they look like idiots because of their communication. Sure, yeah, very. Uh, I mean, none of the Big Ten schools had, besides the the Council of Chancellors and Presidents, had any idea that the season was gonna get canceled until the day it happened. Sure. Um, and then you also look at just that they went straight from oh we have this new schedule to boom we can't play football at all this fall. Right. Within the past week. Something has changed so dramatically. They didn't tell us what changed so dramatically in that week. Yeah, exactly. It, it, was, a, it was a failure to communicate. And uh, I, I do think that there is a chance that they were uh, trying to look like the smartest guy in the room. Yeah, definitely. Be like, the, ha, we canceled first. We were smart. Now everyone else is having these issues and they're canceling late. But look at us. We knew what we were talking about. And then as you get closer and closer to the season, you realize, oh, maybe we're the idiots. Sure. You so, want to check your phone, man. That, that might have shattered your screen. Um Ooh, technical difficulty. Phone down. Now we're um, I think there's valid concerns around COVID. I think that I think the narrative within Husker reporting is oftentimes extreme. Big Ten are idiots. They're ruining the economy of Lincoln. They're ruining the economy of Nebraska. How could they do this? And I think that there's probably an in-between on both sides where caution is important for the Big Ten, um, but also – the necessity of football for Lincoln or for the players or for the fans. Um, I think there's a middle ground somewhere. All right, we've wasted the first 10 minutes of this talking about COVID, but it's an important topic. But we do need to get into the run game because that's what this episode hey, is Hey, this about. episode is about the run game, yes. Um, Elijah, this might be the area of Nebraska football I am most excited about going into this fall. Um, tell me what you're thinking about it. Well, I don't necessarily think it's just the run game. It's the offensive line. Mm-hmm. So the, the run game's a little too broad to be excited for. I know Diedrich Mills did so great at the end of last year, but I don't think that was a product of Diedrich Mills' rapid development throughout last year. I think it was a, a byproduct of the offensive line mm-hmm. gelling together, getting better mm-hmm. uh, in their positions, and really just figuring out their niche in the offense. Uh, and then I look back, and you're turning five starters, and what speaks volumes to me about this offensive line is that it's not going to be those same five guys starting this year. Hmm. Matt Farniak, who was right tackle last year at times, um, I'm thinking against Iowa, I'm thinking against Ohio State, against premier pass rushers, he was just completely out of his element. For sure, yeah, definitely. He, he didn't have the uh, the body type to be able to compete with a guy like Chase Young, and not many guys in college did, but his struggles with A.J. Epinesa as well. Right, just his, his lateral movement, overall body style, body shape, the way he's built as a, as a player – could not handle yeah, those, was, that type of speed off the edge. Didn't have a long enough torso, didn't have long enough arms, which is really weirdly specific things to be getting into, but it's the things that matter in your offensive line play. Definitely. So this year, Greg Austin, with his new title as run game coordinator, uh, which we'll get into in a Ooh, second. Yeah. I, that's a, that's a, a bigger deal than I think people are giving it credit for, to give your offensive line coach responsibility of the run game. Definitely. And say, hey, this is this is your puppy now. Scott's still calling the plays. Yeah. Let's not let's not lie to ourselves here. It's not like Greg Austin's gonna be a big part on game day, but it is big for getting through fall camp. Definitely. Or even even the understanding is as Greg Austin has said that Scott wants to run a, a run play. He's in the headset. He says, Hey Greg, what are we running? Give me a play. Mm-hmm. And I want to run the ball. 
what's our best option here? Mm-hmm. And that's coming straight from Greg Austin to Scott Frost, right? So obviously Scott Frost still calling the offense. He's deciding uh, what's happening next. But Greg Austin's got that input on what's been working for the day, um, what they can do in a short yarded situation, a long yarded situation. You know, that's all coming through Greg Austin's recommendations to Frost. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited to see what Greg Austin can do. But back to the offensive line, uh, Farniak, right tackle, as I said, moving into right guard. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a much more natural position for him. I think he's got a better shot at playing at the next level of that position. Um, he's not a big mammoth guy out there who's going to be able to touch you from 10 feet away because you have super long arms. And that's what I see with guys like Brendan Hymas and Bryce Binhart. Right. Um, so Farniak moving into right guard. I think it's from my limited experience as a offensive lineman in high school. Um, <laughs> my, my tiny experience there. I, I do that's think- tiny experience there, but large experience you know, that, that gives you an ability to analyze as you've grown up. And, yeah, and, and now it, that you are working for Hale Varsity, you know, that's that's something that you are keying in on. And it, it's much more different to move from right tackle to left tackle than it is from right tackle to right guard. Sure. Uh, everything is flipped when you go right tackle to left tackle. Mm-hmm. If, if you're flipping sides of the, uh, the ball, it's just your left hand's in the ground instead of your right hand. Uh, you're stepping with your left foot and say your right foot. Everything is flipped and it's a complete 180 from what you've been told. Whereas you're moving from right tackle to right guard. Now it's, ah, instead of having a guy lined up off the ball, who's looking to get around you, you have a guy who's looking to get through you. It's faster, right? That, that's what you have to learn uh, the difference, but it's not like it's going to be such a, a complete flip that he right. can't handle it. You know, and, and as he learns the playlist, I mean, I think most of the offensive linemen know what every other lineman is doing on each play, but this left, uh, this right guard position is the person directly to the left of him all season long last year. He knows right guard in and out just by lining up next to it all year long, you know? Mm-hmm. So definitely an easier transition for him to do that. Also lines him up next to Jurgens, which I think is, is interesting as, as Farniak is, um, self-professed slash in Greg Austin's eyes, kind of the, the captain or the leader of the offensive line as a, as a senior, um, but now lined up to Cam Jurgens, kind of strengthen some of that, maybe um, that relationship slash that partnership. Um, and from what we've heard, Cam is is really picking up on the playbook this year slash, I mean, he did last year, which is phenomenal considering the small amount of camp he had beforehand. Mm-hmm. I mean, what did he have, like a week before game one? Yeah, because he um, had that foot injury. Right, exactly. So while he was learning the playbook, switching from tight end to center. Learning uh, just how to snap a damn football. Yeah, exactly. He, he he pops over. He's standing on the sideline all summer long learning the playbook. He's not actually out there running anything till one week before kickoff. So he's got a full year now under the playbook. He's making calls a lot more confidently. Um, that center position really calling out um, what the offensive line is doing, any adjustments they're making um, pre-snap uh, adjustments. Um, but that really strengthens up the center there with Cam, I think, which is, which is encouraging. And, and um, just to – to piggyback on that, you also have Cam Jurgens, who wasn't really built like a Big Ten offensive lineman last year. Sure. He held his own, yeah, but the guy was 275 pounds, 280 pounds on a good day whenever Definitely. he was playing last season. And this year, he's got a chance to get in the weight room, bulk back up. I think he's up above 300 pounds now, or mm-hmm. at least around there. Yeah, great. Which, uh, when you're coming from a tight end spot where you're weighing 240 pounds, just to be able to put that much weight on, it's, it's so different. To yeah. have that much more weight on your body and have to try to deal with that. Yeah. Now he's got another year of just having that, having that amount of weight on his body to know what his body does now at yeah. 275, 280 pounds. And he can add even more on uh, to make him more physical. I Big cannot Ten imagine weighing what he did last year and with the little experience he had last year lining up against a Big Ten nose. Oh, I would yeah. poop my pants. I think that just speaks to 
his talent. And we hear it from Scott Frost from the coaches is that this guy is just naturally gifted and athletic as a center. I think he's an NFL guy. Mm. Give him, I mean, he's got three more years to go play. Uh, I think he's NFL written all over him with his athleticism, how well he's been able to transition to the center spot despite all these difficulties. Mm-hmm. I, I think he's going to be awesome. And another guy. And he is on the watch list. Yeah, for Remington. For Remington, which, yep. which I guess watch the seasons all every it, I like half the centers in the country are on the <laughs> yeah. Remington watch list. Another guy, sorry. They're like, wow, you play at a <laughs> at a power five school? Yeah. Watch list, baby. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll see what happens with you. Um, but the the other guy um, who I'm really intrigued to watch along with Cam, I mm-hmm. think Cam's gonna have to be the leader of that offensive line. Mm-hmm. Is Bryce Binhart at right tackle? What do you think about that? Where is that a, a strong weakness on the line, um, or does he come in and fill that? confidently and i mean that's really only the big question mark out of anybody coming back it's hard to say right now but i look at what he did in the games uh in the second half against minnesota last year mm-hmm. uh, he played a lot against wisconsin as well he's playing against some good teams in his the four games he got last year in his redshirt year and he held his own in all those games mm-hmm. there was never a point where i was like ah oh, man bryce benhart's just getting exposed out there right he held his own as a true freshman and he i mean has made physical strides in the mm-hmm. offseason. He, he's a guy who's in a 6'8 frame, which is just mammoth. Yeah. Um, did I tell you that that fun story whenever I was getting my hair cut? Um, no. And uh, I'm sitting there looking out the window, and uh, who walks out from the house right across the street from me but Bryce Benhart and gets into the tiniest little Chevy car I've ever seen. It's just this <laughs> mammoth 6'8 dude walking. And I, I swear, his head was looking out the back passenger windows. No. <laughs> Because he, he was so far back, that, like I was like I was looking like directly like profile to his car, and his right. head was just looking out the passenger window. Yeah, he's back. not he's not riding low. He just literally can't fit his whole body in the car. The man is just tall. Yeah. <laughs> the man's just huge. Uh, which, as I said, whenever we're talking about Farniok, that's huge to get. Whenever you're blocking a guy who is Chase Young type, where he's fast, he's strong, he's explosive. It means so much that you can get into him before he can get into you because he got those long arms. Right. So yep. I'm excited to see what he can do. He's the big question mark. But when you look at the Definitely. offensive line as a whole, right. they're returning over 100 career starts, Right. which is more than any team that we have on the uh, schedule this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wisconsin's close. They have an offensive line that's returning 80 starts, mm-hmm. which is huge. Uh, I believe Ohio State's somewhere around 60 returning starts. But Nebraska's over 100. Right. Which is just that's ridiculous from a college offensive line, and, and and we got to see them gel last year. Yeah, and I feel confident in the two deep as well. Oh yeah, right. So two slash maybe even three deep, um, where I feel like if one person goes down, we've got options. Um, Scott Frost has said that um, they want to have their starting line, but that it could be interesting strategically to figure out who they want to put where as a backup. I think there's a couple guys where they're willing to play him at guard, play him at center, depending on shuffle things around. I mean, probably even the option of moving, let's say Ben Hart goes down, we move Farniak back out to right tackle, bring in Hicks in it at the backup position, mm-hmm. or even like uh, Miller at the backup. Um, so strategically, what are we going to do to put the best lineman on the field at the same time, right? Yeah. Not necessarily that there is a direct backup for right tackle, right guard, center, but that will be able to shuffle things around. Should be interesting going forward, but for the first time in five years that I feel confident in our line, our oh, line yeah. play, um, which is super exciting. It's weird that it's the it's the position I feel most confident in, actually. Yeah, definitely, definitely. It definitely will be interesting to see what happens at that right guard position or right tackle position, but as well as left guard too. Yeah, we haven't even gotten into left guard. Sure, yeah. Bring us over, Elijah. Take us to left guard. Oh, take us to left guard. Take us to the left side. Well, left guard's the most uh, the most open position on the offensive line. Sure, uh, it seems to be a three horse race from what I've heard from uh, from Greg Austin, mm-hmm. which is. Uh, Bo Wilson, 
who had a lot of playtime last year. Uh, he seems to be the the number one guy at the moment. Yep. Um, but you also have Trent Hickson, who got a lot of playtime last year. Coaches really like him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's another guy fighting for that left guard spot. Brock Bando, who yep. got a lot of playtime at left guard. I really liked watching him. Uh, again, Minnesota game is one of those games where he got a lot of guys moving in on the offensive line. He looked good in that Minnesota game. Yeah, definitely. Probably the only bright spot on the offensive line against Minnesota was Brock Bando in the second half. Mm-hmm. And that's not biased at all. Love you, Brock. <laughs> um, but Brock Bando just really impressed me in the uh the time he got especially because he's a guy who's been cross training so much left tackle left guard right guard right tackle he's been all over that offensive line he knows what's mm-hmm. going on sure uh, i think he's my dark horse in the race i would not be surprised if come ohio state game he's either one or two on the depth chart yeah obviously bo wilson's the guy to beat he's got so much experience definitely um but bo wilson also isn't the body type that scott frost and his staff want for the offensive line he's undersized Yep. Uh, he doesn't have those long arms and just mammoth body that is nice to have in the Big Ten. Right. Uh, and Brock Band is a little closer to that. I think he's six five. Yeah. And and if he gets playing time this year, um, you know he's got does he have another year of eligibility? Yeah. So again, getting yeah. another year of Richard eligibility. Jr. Um, so it should be interesting. But obviously, Bo Wilson as a senior. Bo Wilson's the incumbent, and got I, I would be surprised if it's one of those other two guys, uh, especially come week one. But sure. with as many injuries as he in the offensive line. Uh, I would be shocked if Bo Wilson was the starter all nine games this season, yeah. or eight plus one, I guess. Briefly, I realized I said Miller earlier, and I was talking about uh, Will Farniak, not mm. Miller at all. Um, what's your What are your thoughts on on Will Farniak as a as a what is he a sophomore? Um, yeah, he's never going to beat out Cam Jurgens unless Cam goes down. I think he's a, a great a great depth piece to have. Sure, um, but as long as Cam Jurgens is at Nebraska, he's not going to be getting extensive play time. Sure. Um, the only reason that you thought you might bring him in last year is because Cam Jurgens couldn't figure out how to snap, snap the damn ball. ball. Yep. Yeah. Yep. 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 Um, but how, how many hours do you think Cam Jurgens has, has spent in this offseason snapping? I wonder if he's gotten like one of those little targets on like his garage <laughs> yeah, at home. Yeah. COVID. Just, <laughs> just go, all right, Dad, going out to the garage, going to snap some balls. And he comes back four hours later, just sweating <laughs> his ass off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it should be muscle memory, hopefully. So, and and oh gosh, that affects so many things with the offense. We talked about that enough last last season with our podcast, but especially with a Scott Frost offense, the timing whenever you have guys yep. going in motion. Uh, I saw this great film breakdown of the Rams' offense this year, mm-hmm. and. Uh, they, they've done a lot with that. They got killed by the Ravens last year, and the mm-hmm. Ravens love to use pre-snap motion. Mm-hmm. That's something that Nebraska likes to use as well because when you're using that pre-snap motion, it changes your uh, your run fits. It right. makes the linebacker shift over a gap. Uh, it just causes a boatload of confusion. And say you got a guy running in front of the uh, in front of the quarterback just to get the linebackers moving. Right on that snap, if the snap's high, the defense goes, oh, well, it's not going to the wide receiver because there's no chance that Adrian can get it there in time. Right. So it's just like the little things the little that things. out. And I think that's huge. Definitely. Uh, do you want to get into the last position in the offensive line before we go, which is left tackle? Yep, go for it. Yep, uh, it's Brendan Hymas. Oh, yeah. That's about all I have to say about this one. Most experienced guy on the offensive um, line. He's I'm a little another, shocked. A little shocked he's still out there. <laughs> he's another NFL talent. Um, great to have him back. Yeah, definitely. I think we saw his development last year. Uh, he was another guy who did not do great against AJ Epinesa, but held his own better than Farniok. Uh, and then, not to mention, backing him up if he were to go down this year is Turner Corcoran, who was one of the highest-rated recruits Nebraska's had in a long time coming in here, especially in the offensive line group. Right, definitely. Um, he... Had more experience at right tackle in high school. It seems clear to me that they're, he's the air incumbent to Hymas on in the left tackle for next year. Definitely. Um, and especially because he's not losing a year of eligibility whatsoever. Yeah, I was just about to bring that up. That that, that does bring up interesting things offensively for us. Um, being able to use some of the, that new talent and not having to worry about burning any eligibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of a free year to experiment with some things. Although, 
it would be nice. It would have been nicer to do that if we had um, some non-conference games at the beginning of the year to throw some of those guys out there to to see what they played like. But the the biggest place that helps Nebraska to not have to worry about it is on special teams. Sure. Which how oh, many yeah. times last year do you look at Nebraska special teams and go, damn, they suck. Yeah. Definitely. One of the worst special teams in the country was Nebraska last year. And now you don't have to worry about these two freshmen who aren't getting play time elsewhere. You don't have to say, oh, you can only play in special teams for us. Yeah four times this year right yes you, get them you out can there. throw them out there as much as you yep, want you definitely. can use their talent uh you can be rotating guys on special teams yeah that's huge i mean i don't think it's bold to say nebraska special teams will get a lot better this year because it can't get worse yeah uh we have uh recruited actual kickers this year so that's cool we have an australian punter yeah dude we almost have to do like at least like a 10 minute segment on special teams but Maybe after the first game, we'll see how they play, and then we'll <laughs> yeah. and we'll talk about it. I hope my prediction that they can't get worse doesn't <laughs> doesn't come back to bite me. Oh God. Um, um, anyway, so in conclusion, let's summarize all of that. We just spewed a lot. Uh, offensive line, I'm pumped. You're pumped. Greg Austin, we'll see what he does in terms of running the entire run game. I think this could be a transition into uh, looking at the backfield here in a second. But Greg Austin. Um, you know, what does his knowledge of our schemes, our blocking schemes, um, I'm fascinated to see what that looks like to have the line coach handling the run game. Because I think that if you're a football person, you know how important, you value how important the line is, um, slash schematically what the line is doing up front. Like if you really value and look at the beauty of a football game, you're watching the offensive line. You're looking at how the offensive line is moving on runs, who they're picking up. Um, that's the beautiful part of offense to me. And so I'm fascinated to see how Greg Austin um, really shapes that run game going to this year. He has said we're going to be simplifying, mm-hmm. um, cutting down to our bread and butter. And what did he? What was the quote from this offseason? We're working on our bread and butter, and we've been like doing a lot of buttering our bread or something like that. Yeah. Um, so th- this whole summer um, – players being able to look at those bread and butter plays schematically watch film on their own. And then um, since we have less time in practice before the first game, I'm excited that I hope that's all we've been nailing just bread and butter plays that we can go out there and run consistently. Um, and that those offensive linemen with experience will be able to block really well. Is that a Bruce Lee quote? It's better to do a th- uh, one kick a thousand times and a thousand kicks once. One, yep, exactly. Yeah, that's that's the offensive line for you. Yep. And I'll just say before we get into the backfield that this offense will go as far as this offensive line could take them. Sure. Uh, if the offensive line can't block anybody in the run game, you're not going to mm-hmm. throw the ball either. Right. Um, just because in this offense, the run does set up the pass. College football shifting mm-hmm. uh, to a place where the pass sets up your run. And if you can't throw the ball, you can't run the ball. But mm-hmm. with Nebraska's offense, with, with Scott Frost, he knows who his fans are. Mm-hmm. And he knows what conference he's in. That's mm-hmm. the Big Ten. Yep. If you can't run the ball in the Big Ten, you can't do much of anything. Yeah. So it, it starts with uh, with being able to run the ball and get four or five yards per carry against Big Definitely. Ten teams. And, again, transitioning into the backfield, look at how we looked the past the final four games of last season. Um the way the run game was looking at the end as the line was starting to gel, um, we started getting Mills running more consistently, um, knowing his gaps, running downhill more often. I mean, one um, of the better run teams we played last year was uh, Wisconsin. They were strong against the run. We put up 200 yards rushing against yeah, them. Yeah, they were one of the best defenses against the run in the, in the country last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you guys want a little teaser in Ohio State week here, go back and watch some of those run plays in the final four or so games of last season. Uh, and I think that will start getting you excited to, to start this beginning of the season strong against Ohio State. So Elijah, let's talk about that. Speaking of Mills and, and the way that he was running at the end of last season, um, 
he has the clear starting position locked in uh, as far as we've been told um, coming out of practices and some of these beginning press conferences here. Um, I think that's huge. Mm -hmm. I I think you might not think about it, Mm -hmm. but when was the last time Nebraska coming into a season, you knew this is the number one running back. I I think I have to go back to Amir Abdullah. Yeah. Gotta be. And even that's Amir Abdullah after Rex Burkhead leaves. I mean, but you, yeah, but you knew, ah, Amir Abdul is the guy. But then after Amir was Terrell Newby, who was kind of the guy, but there was also Amani Cross there. Yeah, yeah. You didn't really know who it was the still, number one it was guy still was the, you be. definitely call it a two back system still. You uh-huh. would put Amani in in the short yardage plays and, and Newby in in one through three. And then or even one through two. Even Scott's first year, it was Greg Bell. Greg Bell's going to be the guy. And then Greg Bell played one half of football and then left. Oh, my God. Uh, wow. And then you think, oh, yep. maybe, maybe Maurice Washington. It wasn't Maurice Washington. No one was expecting Divine and Zigbo to be the guy Frost first year. Right, yeah. But he came in and step up. And then you come back the next year and you think, is it this uh, – mm-hmm. is it this uh, – this Dietrich Mills guy? Is right. it him? We don't really know much about him. And he started the season and you're like, oh, I don't think this is the guy. There's no explosiveness. There's no – he's not He's not picking up big, big runs. He can get to the first level and that's about it. Mm-hmm. That's definitely how I felt going into the season, the first couple of games of watching Mills. But then as he as he progressed, it mm-hmm. became clear. Oh, this guy can he can handle the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was, I think, the problem with some of the other running backs sure. that were in Nebraska's program is they mm-hmm. couldn't handle the Big Ten. They didn't. Yeah. The Divine Zigbo, I think he took off towards the end of the year because he was a big back that could handle Big Ten yeah. linebackers. Yeah, I was curious what you thought about that um, going into this episode that. You know, Mills much more a Zigbo like than some of the other backs we had, right? And and coming into the Big Ten, Frost said we want the Big Ten to have to adjust to us. Um, I think this that is was a bad quote. Now <laughs> that was an awful quote. Now uh, the guys they were recruiting at um, UCF and uh, you know those speed guys, those guys that are going to get you out wide. Um, but I think one way that the Frost program has thus far adapted to the Big Ten is running guys like Zigbo and Mills who weren't necessarily people that they would have been, you know, looking for right off the bat coming into coming into coaching in the Big 10. Do you agree with that? Well, I'm just going to talk about the quote real quick yeah, because as I'm thinking here, there's actually part of me that thinks, you know what, Scott Frost wasn't that far off with his quote. Yeah, it's bad in hindsight cuz the guys he brought in his first year did not fit the Big 10 whatsoever. Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, he, a lot of them didn't stick around in the program even, mm-hmm. but but you look at where the Big Ten's going now, and the Big Ten's known for running the ball in defense. Mm-hmm. Well, look at the new coach hires that have been made in the Big Ten. Yeah. Scott Frost, offensive guy. Yeah. P.J. Fleck, offensive guy. Yep. Uh, James Franklin, offensive guy. Ryan Day, yep. offensive guy. What's his butt at Purdue? Uh, Brom. Yep. And he, he's 50-50, but he, was, he comes from an offensive lineage. You have Harbaugh, offensive mm-hmm. guy. The, the Big Ten is moving towards guys who know how to run a modern offense. Right. I mean, look at what you see in the SEC. Look at what you see in the Big 12 right now. Um, the SEC has known, been known to be a defensive conference, and Alabama has given up almost 35 points a game this year. Right. It, it's the way college football is moving. It's what LSU's done to college football because of how they were able to win a championship last year. Definitely. Interesting. Sorry, what, what, point, <laughs> what, what point did I ignore from you, though? You were. I was just. I was just comparing the fact that like the two, I'd say, strongest running backs – of Scott Frost era have both been like those bigger, those bigger backs, less of the speed guys and more. I mean, Mills is maybe a, a bit of a hybrid, but I definitely picture as more of the, the big stronger back like a Zigbo was. Oh yeah. It's, it's, it's big to have a, a fire and ice back, right? Backfield. Mm-hmm. Um, look at Zigbo plus Maurice Washington. Right. How well that worked out. Yeah. Uh, you had, uh, Diedrich Mills last year. Who's his ice guy? Kind of Ramir Johnson. Yeah. Thunder and lightning. Maybe that's a little better. Um, uh, but not, didn't really have one. Whereas this year, 
you have Diedrich Mills, then you mm-hmm. have two guys behind him who the coaching staff have mm-hmm. been raving about in uh, Ramir Johnson, and then you also have Ronald Tompkins. Yep. And Ronald Tompkins is a guy I think is going to impress a lot of Husker fans this year. Definitely. Uh, he was a guy that everybody wanted coming out of high school. Yep. He had Bama offers. He had Georgia. He had Auburn. He had this pick of the litter, and then his senior year in high school, he had a knee injury, mm-hmm. and the interest dried up. Yeah. So he ends up coming to Nebraska. Uh, we still haven't seen him play a game. We don't know how how back to his old self he is. Right. But this is a guy that had all the talent in the world coming out of high school, and if he could rehab that knee, he could be a world beater. Yeah. Especially in, in today's age of sports medicine where rehabbing a knee is um, – you have a lot higher likelihood of coming back to full strength than Especially you did as a 19 10 years year ago. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. But I think the important piece with that is I can dream about those backups um, with the assurance that we have, Diedrich Mills. I think mm-hmm. in the past we've gone into a season being like, I'm really excited about this running back, and then he just doesn't pan out, or it's not what I what I need it to be. Um, but going into this year, we have that reliability of Diedrich Mills, especially in his final four games uh, last season, that he's he was he finally picked up the offense. He finally was understanding gaps and looking at um, getting past the second line of defense, um, cracking some of those bigger runs. He wasn't just that uh, pick up three yards when you need it kind of guy, but really the ability to crack something bigger, especially you saw that in that Wisconsin game, um, some of those big runs that he was cracking. Quick quick trivia question, just talking about the depth of the running backs. Do you sure. know how many running backs are on Nebraska's roster right now? Uh, one, two, three, four, five, seven, or six? You were close. It's what? 14. <laughs> There are 14 running backs so on the Husker close. roster. Okay. Now, granted, I think eight of them are walk-ons. Sure. But look at Nebraska's got Diedrich Mills, one. Mm-hmm. Ramir Johnson, most likely two. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you have Ronald Tompkins, most likely three. Those you freshmen, also, dude. Two freshmen, Sevian Morrison and Marvin Scott. Yeah. Who both were great in high school. Marvin Scott does not look like an 18-year-old. Yeah, definitely. That man is absolutely jacked. Yeah, definitely. He's freaking huge. Yep. And he's also running 4-4. And in the running back position without having to worry about burning that eligibility, get him out there. I don't know. Give him. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Throw- Even if it's on special teams, let him get out there. Let him go return a punt. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's the, the options are endless with what you can do this year because you don't have to worry about it. There's still going to be a freshman next year. Mm-hmm. Next year, you can still just give him four games. Mm-hmm. I, I'm super excited to see what the running backs can do, especially behind that just experienced yeah. and big offensive line. And we would be remiss to say that or to to leave out talking about the quarterbacks within the run game Mm. um and that is obviously a factor within nebraska football um and what does that look like with with either of our two quarterback options we should talk about the quarterbacks next episode for the most part um but a healthier slim down adrian martinez is he faster without the nagging injury is he more explosive slimming down a little bit this offseason is he faster um or mccaffrey out there we didn't see a, a huge sample size for him, but, um, but within, he's still a McCaffrey within the run game. <laughs> yeah. With it, he's got a feel for the field and, and finding space. Um, what does that do to open up our run game? Having, having both those mobile quarterbacks, um, with that line blocking in front of them. I, I'm super excited about our run game this year, dude. I think especially, especially with what you were saying about offenses this, this year so far, um, we have not seen, the Scott Frost offense that we saw before he was at Nebraska where the offense was winning games and the defense was doing enough to let the offense win. Um, We haven't seen enough consistency and explosiveness from the Nebraska offense to win games. Um, They've been taken out of games 
too often. And so I think I, I, I know I'm more excited about going into this year than you are. You are much more level-headed and realistic. I'm very excited about the run game and, and how that offensive line just absolutely changes what we do, um, especially if we get that run game to just pick up a couple yards on first down. The biggest thing that kills the Frost offense is getting zero or negative yards on, on first, first down. down. Um, so can we can we chunk yards? Can we pick up can we pick up that first first down on the drive and then chunk from there? Uh, I think that all starts with the offensive line and the run game to be able to assert your will and dominance in the first down of the of the drive. Um, get that positive yards, and I think I think it could be huge for where this offense goes this season. Yeah, and I'm just going to end this on this thought. Mm-hmm. And that's that Scott Frost, after the Iowa game back in 2018, said, I looked across that sideline and they just looked bigger than us, more mm-hmm. physical than us. Right. And now you have an offensive line that is some of the most experienced uh, in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Some of the most experienced players in the Big Ten are on that offensive line. Mm-hmm. And they've gotten bigger. They've gotten stronger. They've gotten more athletic. That That's a an offensive line that has only developed since last year. And you saw that by the end of last year, uh, they were on par with Iowa. Iowa was obviously uh, at the crucial times more physical, mm-hmm. better. But throughout the majority of that game, Nebraska could run the ball on Iowa. Nebraska could run the ball on Wisconsin. There's your hope for the year. This this offense will go as far as the offensive line and the run game can take them, mm-hmm. and that is the strength of the offense this year. Definitely. There's your there's your Kool Aid to drink. Ooh, Elijah, on that offensive line, there are one thousand five hundred and fifteen pounds. Looking across at that defense, so which that, is that a, averages three hundred and three pounds. Sure, exactly. It also comes yeah. close to to the same ballpark as how much your mom weighs. Oh! All right, we're gonna end it on that yeah, one. That's your mom too, Apple. <laughs> From the Huskraft Hour, getting real crunk on that Kool Aid for the offensive line and backfield. I'm Ben. I'm Elijah. Passing games next. See you there. Bye-bye.